You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, as they discuss all things ORAU through interviews with our experts who provide innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, how we're impacting an ever-changing world, and our commitment to our community. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to the ORAU Further Together podcast. My name is Michael Holtz. I work in the communications department here at ORAU, and I am joined by my sidekick for this adventure, Jenna Harpenau, who also works in the communications department. Hello. How are you, Jenna? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. It's an exciting day, any day that we're recording one of our podcast episodes. And since we're still so new at this, we're trying to figure out who we need to talk to and who's important. And we have a very important guest with us today. We do. Thank you. Our friend, Nicey Murphy, (laughs) who works in our K-12 department. Yes. Um, So let's start, Nicey, with a basic question. Who is Nicey Murphy? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm always excited to talk about the work that I do here at ORU. Um, So as you mentioned, uh, my name is Nicey Murphy. I manage a team of scientists and educators here at ORU to proliferate STEM education uh, to ensure that uh, we continue on the path of, um, you know, strengthening our nation's scientific workforce. So my professional background is uh, mainly as a scientist. I have also a business degree. Uh, So I have a PhD in chemistry along with a master's in business administration and I've worked as a radio pharmaceutical scientist. I've worked as a radiation project product manager where we uh, manufacture radiation detection equipment. Um, How did did you end up here then? Well, so I'm a little more extroverted than your typical scientist, (laughs) so I found myself at one point in my career very much talking to myself in a laboratory. So I love science. Science is great and fun, and I love learning about new science. Um, But as I was the one with my hands in the pot, uh, literally, I, I realized this was, there was more that I could do with my PhD. And I worked for a company called Siemens Healthcare, and I remember looking around and seeing other PhDs, and they weren't doing what I was doing. They were doing um, work that was just as creative, but more engaging with um, society and with, with other people. And so I said, you know what? I only know science. This is all I know. I know nothing but chemistry. Let me get a little more education. So I went back to school and I realized a lot of the things that I was doing for my company, um, marketing, um, some sales support, were things that I was really good at, uh, but I didn't have the foundation in it. So my master's degree really helped me with that. And that's kind of how I ended up at ORU. Um, because we are in the middle of um, the scientific world, you know, you, you have to have people that can speak both languages. So I, I consider myself a little bit of a liaison between uh, the scientists that we work with every day and then also the business development people that we work with. So I can speak the language of both um, types, of, types of people, groups of people. So that's kind of how I ended up here. I managed programs for um, our workforce development team. And then um, I had a brief departure from ORU where I left and I did some product management. And that was also fun. We do a lot of STEM-related programs. And you're specifically more into K-12, correct? Right. I have two teams, but uh, the majority of my... um, my team is a K-12 group, and I'd say out of about 11 people, 
at least eight of them have a background in education. Um, majority of them have some sort of scientific background. So we've got a mathematician, we've got a botanist, um, we've got a lot of people with um, science degrees, general science, uh, with education, uh, and, and me as a resident chemist. So um, we're all science-loving, inquiry, um, inquiry uh, loving people and we ask a lot of questions. Our meetings are very, very interesting because there's a lot of uh, productive conflict, mm -hmm. which is something that scientists really value. Yeah. So. Hi, what about, uh, talk a little bit about your passion for um, K-12 programs that you guys do. Uh, your, your group in particular always seems to be having a lot of fun. Yes. You guys kind of put your heart into what you do. You're um, out in the community. Yeah. Yes. So why is that so important to you and, right. and, and ORAU as a whole, I guess? Well, it's really hard um, if you have a love for science to not want to share and be enthusiastic about the, um, the work that you do. So um, most of us who enjoy science as adults, was we were introduced to it as children. And so it's really a natural um, kind of pathway for, for people in science or education to take. You know, you K through 12 STEM education is, is today's, what is the, the phrase, today's learners are tomorrow's teachers or tomorrow's um, engineers or mathematicians. So we have to think about K-12 uh, as it relates to STEM uh, more importantly than you do sometimes the postgraduate learners uh, because without really exposing them to science and kind of being enthusiastic about science, explaining how this is actually not difficult for you to learn um, and enforcing uh, a love of science at this age, you don't get tomorrow scientists and PhDs. Um, my husband is actually an educator in Knox County uh, and he's a uh, elementary principal. And so it's very important even at pre-K and kindergarten for us to instill a love of math and science um, because by the time they're in middle school, they've already decided this is hard. They, they bucket it yeah. and they put it in a um, not for me category, yeah. which is unfortunate fortunate because uh, the STEM pipeline breaks, it malfunctions um, mm -hmm. if we don't have a strong K-12 through STEM education and foundation. Yeah. Um, so we're always in the community trying to make sure that um, other people are as um, focused on this vision as we are. Uh, a lot of times the people who are, who have the ability to help with STEM education don't think about it because their children are fine. They've, they're uh, zoned for really strong schools. They have a lot of parental engagement at those schools. They, they engage themselves in their own, their children's lives. Um, but then it's the, it's the children who need um, the reinforcement, who, who don't have the financial resources to supplement their education with STEM programming. So for that reason, we offer every summer uh, K through 12 STEM education camps. Um, our website is live and we have our um, Science summer science camp programming already posted. We also offer free teacher professional development every summer. Science is an evolving subject, so teachers um, have to always be learning as science evolves. Um, science is, is indefinite. We'll never know everything there is to know about this earth. Mm -hmm. um, so as, as it is learned, it has to be taught. It has to be taught to those who are teaching. So that's one of the reasons uh, that we host these programs every single summer, and they're free. Um, we make sure that we find um, sponsors and supporters to, to keep these programs going. So along those lines, Lately, you know, we've signed MOU agreements with Clinton City Schools, with the Children's Museum of Oak Ridge. Right. 
why are those partnerships important? I mean, you talked about the need for supporters and being mm-hmm. out in the community. Why are those kinds of relationships important? Right. Well, we, we definitely do seek um, to have strong partnerships with with neighboring and also um, just national organizations, just as, just as you mentioned. The Children's Museum of um, Oak Ridge and also Clinton City Schools, um, we've got these partnerships in place because it helps build diversity. Um, not only that, but when we're all united towards the same goal, um, we just have a stronger impact to the community. So. Um, these two particular relationships are great because it helps us reach these uh, regional schools that we, well, regional students, regional um, teachers, science teachers, educators um, around this area. And so we're always looking for new type, new partnerships that can help us do this in any area. We're not specifically only focused on this region, but it's certainly easier to reach. What about is this, as a parent and as a scientist and as someone who is very involved in STEM education programs, um, what would you, what advice would you give parents out there for children, of, of parents of children mm-hmm. through K through 12 mm-hmm. to either get them, besides taking our summer programs because right. they're fantastic, right. but throughout the year, um, what, what should they do to get their kids excited and, and interested and um, basically get them out there and see, you know, what, what the possibilities are for STEM-related jobs. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm, I would say I'm not a veteran parent, um, but I do remember my own childhood coming up and, and how my parents got me and, and ensured that I had a STEM career waiting on me. Um, but what I do with my kids as well is I'm persistent. I am, um, first of all, reading and writing is key. Um, you can't really do math and science if you can't read and write well. So we push books, um, all kinds of books, and, and they learn a lot of historical context through, through writing and reading. Um, so uh, you can learn so much science in a novel. You know, it can be fiction, uh, but you can learn how the earth works and how processes work and methodology for things. So yeah, I have a nine-year-old and 11-year-old, and they remember so much more than I ever did uh, because of the types of things that they're reading and writing. And then we're also persistent. So we, um, the types of things that they watch on TV, we're careful to steer them away from things that um, might not be as uh, foundational in their mm-hmm. education. So there's a show I want to say it's called Brain Teasers or something and it so it breaks down these really complex uh, ideas into uh, ways that kids can understand them and retain the information. So a lot of times they're schooling us in, in the car on the way to school. They're telling us, did you know that something, I'm like, wait, what? How do you know that? How is it that you have that information? Where'd you get that from? And then they tell you, and then sometimes they even correct you. No, Pluto is actually not a planet, Mom. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It was a planet when I was coming up. Yeah, right. Right. And it's not a planet anymore. So you got that, though. <laughs> you could say, when I when I was in you know school, it was a planet. Exactly. So, <laughs> so those are the kinds of things that we're, we're all, we're very persistent with them. And um, and so what it has done is it made it has made our children be have more initiative on their own. Uh, when they have a project that's due, they're reminding me what the deadline is versus me having to harp on it or hound them. So I'm, I'm actually 
proud to say that I, I've taken a step back in parenting because they can be a little overzealous at times. And I have to say, why don't you go relax? Why don't you actually just go sit and, and watch TV for 30 minutes? Because you're, you're, you're so excited and you're so enthusiastic about this project that you're doing. And I don't want you to carry stress yet. You're a little too young for that. I don't know if that's anything appropriate, but no, that's good. Um, but yeah, so with, with parenting, um, and, and trying to gear them into a STEM career, which is really important for our, our national workforce. Um, we're just making sure to focus on reading, writing, mathematics, science, uh, making sure they're pra practicing their math facts. I mean, they're so young at this point that their memories are, they're a sponge. And so there's no reason that they can't be, this can't be fun. My husband has actually downloaded this, these songs, multiplication songs, and we listen to them in the car. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard nine times nine, you know, the, 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 the refrain over and over and over again. But it's, it's, it's very important to make learning fun. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be a chore. Yeah. Um, when we were coming up, it was a chore. Mm -hmm. We had to sit there. We were quiet. For a kid, for an adult to sit quiet through a meeting is very, very yeah. difficult. A two-hour yeah. meeting, yeah. adults fidget. So children do the same thing, and they're expected to be little adults, which yeah. is a little Birds. bit unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, we have to allow them to explore, allow them that inquiry-based type of learning experience. So we do a lot of fun things at home to reinforce what they're learning at cool. school. Sounds like a fun house. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're really goofy. We sing a lot. My husband has a background in music as well. And so music is another way, a, a really fun way to in incorporate math and science learning. Um, we have a program uh, that we do every summer called Math and Movement. Um, so they move around, they jump. Um, you know, there are so many different types of ways and, and methodologies that mm -hmm. you can use to apply STEM um, literacy. And OREU's Math and Movement is for which grades again? It's K through K through five. Five. Yeah. K through five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. cute to see all the kids. <laughs> it was it was cute to see the adults. Yeah. Yes. At the chamber breakfast the other the other week. That was yeah. nice. They we got a lot of really positive feedback. I think that adults forget how much fun it is to learn uh -huh. um, because every day we sit and we we use our brains and we forget that there's you know the activities that we used to do when we were young. My team is actually very fun. Um, we play with toys every day. I've gotten pelted with Nerf guns walking out of my office. They'll call my name. I'll come out and then I'm you know pelted with, <laughs> with nerf, nerf balls and I think to myself, all right, I'm getting you back. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to come up with something. Sounds so, like we need to move to the second floor. Yeah, right? I think you have a good time. We, we try to keep it um, as engaging and honest as we can. You know. That's great. Um, you talked about your husband being a school principal. Yes. I gather then that you see firsthand like, through his eyes sort of what the needs are um, at his school and potentially at other schools. And of course we know we live in a region mm -hmm. where some schools have fabulous resources right. and other schools have nothing. Right. So we have programs like Extreme Classroom Makeover and Extreme Teacher to sort of yes. fill in those gaps. Absolutely. Um, how great is that need and, and, and what are you seeing? Right, the need is profound. Um, I think people would be surprised. There is, there is a lot of um, effort by the school systems to make sure there's equity in each school. The difficulty though um, with providing equity is that you've got teachers who are for all intents and purposes doing a harder job because of the lack of people resources. So they may have the same number of people in the building as a, a school 
five miles away. But because of the lack of some parental engagement, and that's because you've got a lot of families that, you know, maybe they work outside of the home and they don't have um, a lot of supporting family. You know, they send their children to school and they don't have an opportunity necessarily to do homework with them. Or you might even have some students that are second language, um, English as a second language, so they can't help their their. Um, children with their schoolwork. You know, that, that child gets their learning at school and it stops at school. When they get home, they have different uh, a different environment than a lot of the other children. Um, so the people in the, in the building, you may have the same number of staff, but because the needs are greater, um, you, you almost need to double up on the number of people that you have supporting a, a school system. Um, so what happens is the teacher's responsibility is greater. And if they have only 15 kids in the class um, and they don't have these co-curricular programming after school or on weekends or even in the summer, these students, um, their, their learning outcomes are not as strong. It's, it's just... Um, the the teacher is spread thin. They right. they don't they're not paid anymore. Sure. They're, they're, their work is harder. They have to raise the children a lot of times. Um, my husband has see, seen a lot of um, children who come to school and they're hungry and or they don't have shoes that fit, and that makes it hard to learn if you're focused on something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, where kids may not be sleeping well at night um, because there's not enough beds to go around and they're sleeping on the floor um, because there is a certain. Uh, certain level of poverty also um, that a lot of the inner city schools face. Um, So when you're still trying to meet the basic survival needs, it makes it hard to focus on STEM education. So that's why learning has to be fun every day. Um, My husband has um, a lot of different programming where he works at a community school and in Knoxville, that means that they kind of extend the learning day um, by I think maybe 45 minutes to an hour so they have an extra block of learning. And then at the end of the day, a lot of the students get to take part in some extra learning-based programming. It's not extracurricular in the sense of like dance and PE, but it's more of, it's another curriculum that where they're learning additional information. And it's mostly focused on math and science and reading. So um, yeah, it, it is, it can be discouraging if you're just looking at the statistics, but then you see the people with their feet on the ground, and then you see the kids as they come in through, the, through these programs, and you see the excitement on their faces. You realize we are making a difference. We're making an impact, and um, specifically with science, technology, engineering, and math in the STEM fields. They are, we've got a lot of kids interested in coding, robotics. I mean, their minds are built to learn, um, so they, they really do take um, a lot of, they, they, they're excited about it. Well, and I think to your point, also, a lot of the teacher professional programs that we offer during the summer help them to maybe make their job a little bit easier because we're giving them resources and maybe teaching them a skill that they didn't know before. So while they are having to focus on, you know, partially raising kids that Mm -hmm. that don't have that support system at home, I think that ORU is also providing not only a good resource to the kids through Mm -hmm. their K-12 program, but also the educators through um, all of the lesson plans that we give and the resources that we have for them. Absolutely. It helps with retention um, going into the next school year so they don't have so much of a um, a obstacle in getting the child back up. Um, And then also, um, we we don't want to forget that educators are also innovators because, you know, every group of kids is different. Um, 
there is no one-size-fits-all type of learning. Um, so a lot of times they have to modify on spot because they realize, oh, my, my lesson is not connecting with this um, subset of children. Um, it, last year it worked perfectly. This year it's not working so well. So let me figure out how to recreate um, this, this curriculum and around a theme or a topic or an idea that's going to hit home because every grade matters every single k through 12 grade matters um you know we focus not just on the stem pipeline as it relates to going to college but we also focus on trades um, because that's a win for the uh, national workforce as well we've got a lack of um, people really going in and and digging deep into the trades um, whether it be um, it or well, information technology, infrastructure, manufacturing, we've got a lag in, in just about every STEM field um, that exists. So we want to make sure that the K-12 STEM education is, is as tight as we can make it. Yeah. So. Last question, and it's an easy one. Okay. If people want to learn more about K-12 work at ORU, where do they go? Well, thankfully, we have a really robust web um, presence. So our website is www.oraustem.com. You can also find us on all of your um, social media uh, websites. So Instagram, we have ORU Together, and then we also have um, Facebook and Twitter, you'll find us there. Um, we post quite a bit of information about our programming. Uh, and then sometimes a day in the life of the things that we do here at ORU just to kind of invite you into our world. But Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for having me. Time. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU, and on Instagram at ORAU Together.